Hi Sound City, this is Jacob, Esther, and Winston, and we're going to be doing the scripture reading today. And as you know, we've been going through the book of Acts, and we've been doing the scripture reading in different languages. So Esther is going to be reading Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 6 in Ukrainian, and I'm going to read uh, 1 through 10 in English. А Петро та Іван на дев'яту годину молитви йшли разом у храм. І несенно там чоловіка одного, що кривий був з утроби своєї матері. Його садовили щоденно в воротах храму, що красними звалися, просити милостині від тих, хто до храму йшов. Як побачив же він, що Петро та Іван хочуть у храм увійти, став просити в них милостині. Петро з Іваном поглянув на нього і сказав, Подивися на нас. І той подивився на них, сподіваючися щось дістати від них. Та промовив Петро, срібла і золота в мене нема, але що я маю, даю тобі. У ім'я Ісуса Христа, Назарянина, устань та й ходи. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk. And entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to them. Hey there, church family. Uh, glad to be able to gather in some semblance, in some fashion uh, with you today. Uh, thankful once again for the technology that makes it possible for us to do a worship gathering of sorts, uh, even though we had to postpone our in-person gatherings due to the extreme uh, smoke and dangerous conditions, the, the air in the outside. So uh, grateful that you're able to roll with the punches. Really thankful for your church family. And I will just say, selfishly, I am part particularly sad because I have been gone for the last four Sundays and I was really looking forward to seeing you in person, your beautiful masked faces in person. And uh, just a really quick little personal note before we dive into the text for today. You know, I've never taken four Sundays completely away from the church before since we launched back in 2015. There have been some times where I haven't preached for four Sundays, but I've still been present for some of those weeks, either leading music or introducing a guest preacher, leading communion, something like that. This is the first time I've been away for four weeks, and uh, I'm really thankful for the elder team encouraging me and and making this a possibility for me to get some rest after what has been a very prolonged season of just kind of a lot of leadership challenges and leadership difficulties. And so I'm really grateful for them. I'm grateful for uh, Pastor John. Sorry you had to preach in the 90-plus degree heat. I, I, I thought you were from Texas and could handle it. My, my apologies. Uh, Pastor Steve, grateful for you preaching. I, I am also sorry. I, I, too, am an interactive person. And so at least today, 
you can know that I'm suffering more than you did because there's nobody here except for this video camera. Uh, Pastor Shane, thank you for preaching. Uh, I am sorry that you've been around since the beginning and had to deal with me for six years almost. So uh, God bless you guys. But the whole elder team, um, recognizing that for me, I, I've needed some time just to, to really be able to kind of take a pause, take a breather, look at my own heart, bring my own heart before the Lord. And even today's passage really has some things that spoke very deeply and very personally to me. And so I'm excited to, to kind of tie some of that together. Uh, I also just will say this. I, I visited some other churches, uh, churches that I have relationship with, leadership, the, the you know people even in the membership. And uh, visiting those other churches just made me uh, so incredibly thankful for Sound City Bible Church. It's like going and seeing other people. It's like, yeah, I like visiting other people's houses, but, but this is my family and this is where I'm supposed to be. So if you have your Bibles... Let's open up to Acts chapter 3. You know, we're in the book of Acts. This is the, the next phase of God's rescue plan has begun. Jesus has died and he has risen again and then he ascended into heaven at the right hand of the Father where he sits today, ruling over all things. He has given his spirit at this point in the story to those believers uh, who are in Jerusalem and we're getting poised for this gospel message to explode throughout uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. And that's even why uh, we've been having our scripture readings in multiple languages each week, which is such a cool thing. So I want to pray, and then I want to dive into Acts chapter 3. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to teach from your word, and I pray that you would guide my lips and direct my speech, you'd guard my words, that I would only say those things that are in line with the truth of your word. And God, even though we are distant from each other today, once again uh, in our homes uh, throughout the region, I pray that our hearts would be united by your Spirit. Our hearts would be united by faith in the Son of God and the work that He does to heal us and to turn us into those who could bring God's healing love into the world. We'll give this time to you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, I can't hear you. I can't see you. But I really need like an amen or a show of hands for this first question. In the age of COVID... How many of you have coughed or sneezed and then immediately felt really fearful like someone was going to get mad at you that you had COVID? For those of you who have seasonal allergies, my heart goes out for you. All the, 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 the blossoms and the blooms come out and the grass is growing and you're sneezing and you're hacking and you're coughing and everyone's looking at you like you're some sort of, you know, leper who needs to be relegated to a colony. Meanwhile, I've heard people go, you know, achoo, it's just allergies, like yelling it out loud in public. It's a terrible time to have some other sickness because of the incredible fear of having COVID. And Recently, I was even thinking about the way that, that some of this has worked, where there's now such a social stigma about it, that people might even be afraid to say something. They might even be afraid to go get tested because there's such a stigma about having COVID. Like, you, you are so incredibly unclean. There could even be a tendency in the hearts of some people to downplay symptoms of sickness so that you don't get those judgmental glares from other people. You know, in today's passage, there's a man who is physically afflicted, and there is no way that he or anyone else in his life 
can downplay it and can, can hide it and can cover it up. It is, a, it is a reality that this man has to deal with. And when he encounters the healing power, the healing, redeeming, powerful love of God through Peter and John, he is, uh, he is transformed forever. And so I want to talk today about this idea of when we encounter God's healing love, that we all need his healing love more than we even realize, and that when we encounter God's healing love, we can't help but go out into the world and share it with others. And that really is the big idea for today. You, you may have heard the, the saying, you know, hurting people hurt people. Well, I believe that when we encounter God's perfect love, the opposite becomes true, and that healed people heal people. Healed people heal people. Let's, let's see a little bit about this here today. I'm going to kind of go through this whole story, make some comments, and I'm going to draw out five points at the end of our time together today. So chapter three, verse one. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple for the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. These Jewish followers of Jesus, they are still going to the temple. They are still praying at three in the afternoon, which is the time for the afternoon prayers. This would be a very busy time of day. And just by the way, this is one of my favorite friendships in the entire Bible. You explored this a little bit when we were in the Gospel of John, and it talks about Peter and John, you know, racing to the empty tomb after the report of the women came back that the tomb was empty. And, and you know, of course, John wrote in there that he got there first, like he outran Peter. But I mean, their relationship, you got to think, there was some brokenness, some unhealth in their relationship. That, that Peter had denied Jesus, and John was the only one who stood there at the foot of the cross. But but John's not perfect either. John's own mother is the one that went to Jesus and said, hey, can my boys sit at your right hand and, and, and your left when, when you come into your kingdom? Like, there's fighting, and there's division, and there's things that we don't maybe get the full picture of, but there's enough there to know that, that there had to be something in their relationship, and yet here they are together as brothers, as friends going to pray together in the temple. Verse two, a man who was lame from birth was being carried there. He was placed each day at the temple gate called Beautiful so that he could beg from those entering the temple. Now this this man has never known what it's like to walk. He has been lame. He's been unable to walk since birth and there's no way to hide that kind of sickness. You might have the sniffles, you might have a sore throat and you can cover that up. But if you are lame from birth, it is just known and the people in his life are carrying him so they know and they're carrying him to this gate that is called beautiful. And there's a lot of um, writing about this gate. It's really hard to know with certainty exactly where this is. But I think the ancient historian Josephus might give us the best clue. Uh, there's a, a scholar named John Polhill, and he writes this. He says, you know, speaking of how it's hard to know exactly which gate it is, he says, Josephus, this the ancient historian, spoke of 10 gates in the sanctuary, kind of the inner part of the, the temple courtyard. Nine Josephus said, were overlaid with silver and gold, but the tenth was of, quote, Corinthian bronze and far exceeded in value those plated with silver and set in gold, end quote. So massive was this gate 
that when it was closed each evening, another quote from Josephus, it could scarcely be moved by 20 men. So if you have 10 options to go into this temple courtyard for prayers and for worship, this particular one, this beautiful gate, it seems like is one that was massive and particularly special, so maybe more people would come in through that gate. And so the man, not only does he know his weakness, not only do his friends know his weakness, but the majority of the people coming and going from the temple can see that he is unwell. Verse 3. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for money. I need help. I can't work. Peter, along with John, looked straight at him and said, Look at us. Kind of get the impression there that he's just calling out indiscriminately to anybody who might potentially give him money. And they say, Hey, look at us. So he turned to them, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I'm going to give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. It's kind of interesting to think about how even just, you know, last week when Pastor Shane was preaching about in Acts chapter 2, the the generosity of these disciples, these, these men... Uh, and the, the community of followers of Jesus have had a radical shift in their relationship to money. And, and so there's a, there's a profound generosity in them. Obviously, this goes even above and beyond giving of money. This is a giving of a gift of, of healing, something pretty profound and radical. So verse 7, then, taking him by the hand, Peter raised him up. And at once, his feet and ankles became strong. This is a miracle. So he jumped and started to walk and entering the temple with them somewhere where he would have never been allowed to go because according to the Levitical law, those who were uh, uh, physically infirmed like that could not enter into the presence of God. And there's a whole lot of this about the holiness of God and what holiness and, 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 and how the, there's a difference between ritual purity versus moral purity, but, but both have to do with the holiness of God. That's a very, that's a, that's a, an additional teaching right then and there. Just the point being, this man has never known not only walking, but getting to enter into the temple to worship and to join them for prayer. All the people saw him walking and praising God and they recognized that he was the one who used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple. So they were filled with awe and astonishment at what had happened to him. It's almost like Peter and, 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 and John say, oh, you want some money? I got something even better for you. How about healing and your legs and the ability to now provide for yourself and take care of yourself and be a, a full functioning member of society and a worshiping member of the community of faith, the people of Israel, the people of God. This is a pretty amazing story. Now, while everyone is filled with awe and they're all looking at this scene that's going on, Peter, formerly cowardly, is going to preach a sermon. So while he, this man, was holding on to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astonished, ran toward them in what is called Solomon's Colonnade. It's kind of an open area. And when Peter saw this, remember, 
We are not but just a few months removed from the events of Peter's denial three times, a coward, a deserter. And here, because of the resurrection of Jesus, he is filled with boldness to start teaching. He says, fellow Israelites, and he's going to preach a very Jewish sort of sermon. I'm really thankful for uh, Rabbi Matt reminding us that at this point in the story, it is still the people of Israel who God is fulfilling his promises to, to prepare them to go out into the nations of which I am a part, of which many, most of you are a part, to hear this good news that all the nations can be brought into the family of Abraham through the work of Jesus. He says, fellow Israelites, why are you amazed at this? Why do you stare at us as though we made him walk by our own power or godliness? I'm not so powerful, Peter says. I'm not even that godly. I didn't do this. (laughs) The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our ancestors, our ancestors, he said, has glorified his servant, Jesus. Peter uses this miraculous opportunity to turn the attention to Jesus. This is the real point. You like this healing? Let me tell you about the one that this is about, glorifying Jesus, whom you handed over and denied before Pilate, though he had decided to release him. You denied the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murderer, Barabbas, released to you. You, and then he, he gets all uh, Christology on them. He says, this, this Jesus was no mere teacher. He says, you killed the source of life. That's a radical thing to say. That Jesus, this carpenter turned rabbi, is actually the source of all life? That is a divinity sort of language. And then you killed the source of life whom God raised from the dead. You couldn't kill him because he is the source of life. And we are all witnesses of this. It's by faith in his name. It's his name that has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Again, there's another sermon right there in just the idea of the name of God. There's a a book by a a really amazing uh, scholar and teacher named Carmen Joy Imes. The book is called Bearing God's Name. I'll link to it on the website. I highly recommend it. The idea of, of the name of God being put upon his people and bringing healing and life. It's such a cool, uh, such a good book. I highly recommend it. But it's, it's not me, it's not John, Peter says. It's, it's by, by faith in this powerful name of Jesus that has given him this perfect health in front of all of you. So now, brothers and sisters, he goes on. I know that you acted in ignorance just as your leaders also did. You know, Peter's had this scathing rebuke. You crucified him. You killed the Lord of life. You chose a murderer, Barabbas, over him. He goes, but now, listen, I know that you acted in ignorance. It's like when Jesus cried out from the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Just as your leaders also did. In this way, God fulfilled what he had predicted through all the prophets, that this Messiah would suffer. This Messiah would suffer. This Messiah has known unwellness. He has known brokenness. He has known hurt. Therefore, here's your, here's your, here's what you do. Repent and turn back and that your sins may be wiped out and that seasons of refreshing. I love this phrase. 
We're going to come back to this in one of the points. Seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And even better, he would send Jesus again, who has been appointed for you as Messiah. He's going to send him right now. Verse 21, heaven must receive him. He's in heaven being kept there until the time of the restoration of all things, which God spoke about through his holy prophets from the beginning. He's saying, hey, fellow Israelites, you ought to recognize this. This has been in all of our sacred books since the very beginning, that God would send his Messiah, that he would suffer, he would die, he would rise, and that there would be ultimate restoration through this one. Moses himself said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers and sisters. You must listen to everything he tells you. And everyone who does not listen to that prophet will be completely cut off from the people. He's Again, he's addressing a very uniquely Jewish problem because, see, the Pharisees, this group of religious leaders... Um, despite the fact that they got so many things wrong, there was something really good about what they were doing, and they were a Jewish reform movement. And they were all about getting back to the Bible. Now, they obviously missed some things in, in a huge sort of way because Jesus calls them whitewashed tombs, and he rebukes them in many places. But the Pharisees were like, let's, let's get back to the Torah. Let's get back to the writings of Moses. And what, what, what Peter is saying is, listen, even in the writings of Moses, Moses predicted that a new prophet would arise and, and that he would be this, this one that we need to listen to. It's Jesus. He's the one that we should listen to. He's basically pleading with these Jewish listeners to not think of Jesus as some sort of cult leader. This is the logical fulfillment of the storyline of the Hebrew scriptures. And then he says, again, in addition, all the prophets who have spoken, all the prophets from Samuel and all those after him have also foretold these days. You are the sons of the prophet and of the covenant that God made with your ancestors, saying to Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed through your offspring. Again, there's that movement that we're seeing in the book of Acts. This gospel message comes to these Jewish people and it's going to explode and go out to all the ends of the earth. God raised up his servant... Jesus, and sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your evil ways. I'm going to push pause here, and next week we're going to pick back up the second half of this story when they get in trouble with the religious leaders. So I want to, I just want to spend a few minutes making a few points. I have five points that I want to make in, in, this, in this line of the healing work of Jesus coming into our lives, the way that it came into the life of this paralyzed man. The, the first point is this. Everybody is unwell. Only some know it. Everybody is unwell. Only some will admit it. You know, see, again, back in verses, you know, two through three, this man was lame from birth. I don't know if you have any physical, uh, you know, infirmities, a disability, you know, something as maybe seemingly simple as like you know, allergies all the way to like an autoimmune disease or, or, or how you might relate to this. But this guy gets it. He is sitting at a gate begging people to help him and to give him money. There's no way that he could hide from his unwellness. Here's a problem though for us particularly for those of us in our 
North American, Pacific Northwest, suburban context, it's really easy to deceive others or even worse, to deceive ourselves about the state of being of our own minds and hearts and souls, even our bodies. It's really easy to put on a facade. It's really easy in some church context, in some American church culture to walk in. How are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm blessed. And everything is good. And everything's a happy face. And everything's a smiley face. Friends, let me tell you something that for me personally, this last month of of having some time off is a time where God has in his grace shown me some ways that I have been really unwell. You know, for you, maybe, you know, again, today we're, we're experiencing these uh, unprecedented smoke in, in the air and you're feeling like I'm kind of cruddy. In fact, I need, I need to get some water right now, even as I'm teaching in my house. You can feel that your sinuses are all irritated. Some of you, it's, it's, it's not COVID you're scared of. It's the stuff you've already been dealing with, like diabetes or whatever it might be. But how many of you have taken a moment in these last few months to sit and think, this year has been so challenging. This year has been so painful. I'm not well emotionally. Some of you haven't picked up your Bibles in weeks and instead you're doom scrolling on social media trying to figure out everything you can about the political election coming up or trying to solve racism or trying to solve uh, 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 sexism or trying to solve COVID, whatever it might be. Could you just take a moment and identify with this man begging at the temple gate? Friends, you and I are not first Peter and John, you and I are first the man begging at the gate. I am not unwell. I am not well. You are not well. We as a nation are not well. And we are in desperate need of God's healing work in our lives. I had a conversation with my mom recently. And my mom and my dad have, have um, pretty much my entire life always done ministry in a context where people are really broken, drug addiction, homelessness, prison ministry. I mean, I can remember even being four years old and and, uh, a a woman moving in with us who was detoxing from heroin addiction. As my mom was talking to me, she was saying, you know, um, she was saying that she's kind of looked down sometimes on other Christians for not doing the same kind of ministry that, that she and my dad have done. And then she realized the Lord was, was bringing some correction to her heart because she said, yeah, it's kind of actually low-hanging fruit. You go up to somebody in prison like, man, did you know that, that you know there's a prison of sin and Jesus sets you free? And they're like, yeah, I get it. And they're all in. Or you go up to somebody who's just experienced massive brokenness. Like, hey, do you know that you're broken and in need of a Savior? Yes, I know, I get it. And she's like, I actually have maybe judged other churches for not doing the same kind of ministry as us. Meanwhile, friends, in our, in our context, for many of us, I know for you know the neighborhood that I live in, Everyone's lives looks pretty good. Did you know that you're broken and in need of a savior? No, no, I'm pretty good. I got a 401k. I think I'm all right. I got health insurance. As people of the way of Jesus, starting point is we have to admit where we are not well. That's point number one. Point number two. This physical healing is amazing. But it's a sign that points to a greater reality. 
It's not in this passage, but actually back in Acts chapter 2, just the immediate previous passage that, that Pastor Shane taught on last year, it says, everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. And then it goes right into this story in chapter 3. This is one of those signs. And Luke, the author of the Gospel of Luke and Acts, he loves this word signs. Now, friends, as a church, we 100% believe that God can heal today, that God does heal today, and we have been given permission by Jesus Christ himself to ask, to seek, to knock, to persist in prayer, to come boldly. But see, I, I was raised in and around a very charismatic church sort of context, and, and there's much of that context that I still deeply love and appreciate. But one of the ways that oftentimes a more charismatic church can get off base is to fall more in love with the sign than the thing the sign is pointing to. A sign, by its very definition, is a thing, a real thing, a tangible thing that points to something greater. Luke's usage of this word is not accidental. And, and the Holy Spirit's inspiration working through Luke is not accidental. Before all of the COVID shutdowns, my family, we had a vacation. We took a trip to Arizona. And one of the things we were wanting to do was to take our kids to see the Grand Canyon. And we were able to make it before stuff was closed down. That's great. But how stupid would it have been as we were getting close to the park to see the sign that says Grand Canyon this way? And there's even like a little you know, sketch of it and to pull over and get all the kids out in front and we take a picture in front of the sign and then turn around and go back to our Airbnb. How dumb would that be to not then go all the way and see the vast majesty of the real Grand Canyon? And it's breathtaking. If you've never been, it's incredible. It would be so dumb to stop at the sign. The sign's a good thing. I'm grateful for the sign, but the sign points to an even greater reality. So friends, as we pray for healing, and we should pray for healing, we should boldly come before the throne of God's grace, but we should remember that these signs uh, are always something that are pointing to an even greater reality. And the greater reality, point number three, is this. The most important healing is the healing that we receive from the sin disease that lives within us. You know, uh, in, in, in chapter 3, verse, uh, what is it? Verse uh, 26 says that, that God raised up his servant and sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you away from your evil ways. It's, it's very interesting Peter does not preach a sermon on how to get healed. Peter does not preach a sermon on how to get physical healing. This physical healing happens. It gets everyone's attention. And what does Peter do? Peter stands up and he preaches a sermon about Jesus Christ, a gospel sermon. He says that Christ is the source of life, that he is the divine son of God, and that he, he came and he did a redemptive work, but he was crucified according to the plan of God that was written down in the scriptures, and he was raised again on the third day, uh, proving that he's the source of all life. And now, if we will repent of our sins and put our trust in him, put our faith in him, we now access this grace and this forgiveness that he offers to us. And now Jesus has ascended and he's in heaven, but one day he's going to return and all things will be restored. This is a phenomenal gospel message. 
if, if, you know, in some ways, even more clear and more concise than the one he just preached in chapter two. It's this incredible message of the gospel. And Peter says the most important thing is not that this man had his legs healed, but that his sins are forgiven because he had faith in the name of Jesus. In fact, it breaks my heart a little bit, but this guy was physically healed, but he still died someday. He's not currently alive. It, it almost reminds me even, even sadder of Lazarus. Like Lazarus died, was raised back to life, and then died again. And both of those men will be raised up forever on the last day. The point of the healing is not the healing. The point of the healing is the healing that God brings to not only our souls, ultimately our bodies, and to the entire cosmos, the entire created order, when Christ returns. And friends, if you're listening to this and you've not yet received that gift of salvation from God. It is a very simple thing that that if you sense the Lord working in your heart right now, it is number one, I repent. I'm sorry. I, I, I am, I admit I am not well. I bring my, my brokenness and my foolishness and my rebellion. I bring it all to Jesus. And I believe that he says that I can be forgiven and I can be made whole. Repentance and faith. Everyone's unwell. Some people don't admit it. The healing is a sign that points to the reality of the gospel. Now, once we've come into the gospel, number four, point number four is this. There is no division between the gospel message and acts of physical service. Maybe I should say it this way. There ought not to be. The sad reality is that there often is. In some of our churches, in some churches throughout, particularly North America, a false dichotomy has been brought in. Some would say, well, we need to go around doing the type of good works that Jesus did. We need to go bring healing to the sick. We need to bring money to the poor. And, and, and begin to focus on that to the exclusion of, they, they begin to focus on the sign and forget to point to the ultimate reality. Sometimes that's pejoratively known as the, the social gospel. And so then in response, others say, hey, you're, you're doing all these good deeds. Others then swing the pendulum over and say, we just need to preach the gospel. Let's just preach the gospel. And it becomes this gospel-only sort of thing. And again, this this polarization happens. This has been going on for about 100 years, maybe even a little bit more, in North America. And friends, it is just flatly wrong. It is flatly stupid to drive a wedge where there ought not be any. Peter and John, they didn't give the guy money. They actually did one better. They, They healed him. They, 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 the power of God through them, healed this man. They acted in faith and in confidence, knowing that God was going to use him in that way. Friends, I don't have a, a gift of healing, gifts of healings, that I could walk around and just do this all the time. I'm still praying. I still ask, but you know what I do have? I have tremendous resources. You have tremendous resources that you can share with people. And you can, you can give them 
food and clothing and water. And in this season of generosity, I've been, of needed generosity, I've been so thankful for the way that you, church family, have given so generously to support those in need, both within our church family and our church community, as well as in the greater community, the, the schools that we've been supporting. Uh, we still need people to help uh, donate food and to help pack boxes for Nourishing Network, one of our ministry partners, please email Kyle, Pastor Kyle, Kyle at SoundCityBibleChurch.com to get involved with that. Please go on the church's website and continue to give faithfully of your tithes and offerings so that we can continue to flourish and thrive as a church community. But let me just say this, maybe even by way of a little bit of a rebuke, some of you have bought into one side or the other of the just preach the gospel or just do acts of service. That is a satanic division where there ought not be one. So friends, for some of you, don't be the just only preach the gospel people. No, we, we, we serve in word and deed. And for some of you, don't just, well, we just got to get out there and do, do, do. And you never open your mouth up and point to the greater reality that the sign is pointing to. Actually, by the way, by way of an, uh, maybe even a little bit more on the nose rebuke, some of you do neither. But you just sit around on Facebook and wait for, you know, you, you gripe and you wait for somebody else to do stuff. You don't share the gospel or help people. I've been out for a month. That's wrong. Okay? Forgive me for my bluntness. I love you, but you don't do anything. And you should repent of that. There ought not be a wedge between preaching the gospel and serving people. One ultimately serves the other in a beautiful sort of way because part of the gospel is that God is going to restore all things, which is my fifth and final point for today. And this, this. As we trust in Jesus, we have refreshing now and restoration later. Refreshing now, restoration later. I love this where in verse 19 where it says, Repent and turn back so that your sins may be wiped out and that seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And that he may send Jesus, who has been appointed for you as Messiah. Heaven must receive him until the time of the restoration of all things. Friends, if you're hurting, or you're physically broken, or your mental health is struggling, or your emotional health is struggling, and we come upon you and we pray for you, this is, and God is, God answers it and he's gracious and you are, you are brought something that is just good and beautiful. I believe he does that. But friends, listen, that is but a time of refreshing. That is but a simple foretaste of what awaits us upon the day of Christ's return. Because when Christ returns, it will be the restoration of all things. We get refreshing now. And I believe that God does give us times of refreshing I believe that He does give us healings. I believe that He does meet us in our brokenness. I believe that He does use other believers in our lives, relationships to bring healing into our, our, our sad hearts. But friends, anytime we have a little taste of that, it's so, it's, it's just, a, it's again, it's a, it's a foretaste, it's a sign of the glorious reality that awaits us when Christ returns and we get to experience the restoration of all things. And what a day that will be. And friends, as 2020 goes on and this, the, the year just seems so strange and there's so much brokenness, I find myself praying more than ever before. Come, Lord Jesus. Come soon. Maranatha, we pray. Come, Lord Jesus. Everybody's unwell. Will you admit it? 
Don't get overly focused on the sign. Remember the reality, which is the gospel, that God forgives us of our sins and heals all of the creation. And so we preach that gospel and we meet people's practical needs while we wait for the restoration of all things. And so I ask you these questions as we, as we wrap up our time together. Are you honest about how unhealthy and unwell you truly are? Or are you wearing a mask and living in a facade? Are you honest with God? Are you honest with yourself? Are you honest with those in your community whom you are closest with, those Christian brothers and sisters who the Word of God says we are to bear one another's burdens? What does that mean if not sharing the burdens of where we're not healthy, where we're not well? Are you being honest? Number two, do you have any idea how powerful God's healing love is? Do you have any idea how much love God has for you? Do you have any idea the type of medicine it is to the mind and to the heart and to the spirit and to the soul and even to the bones to know that God in Christ loves you with a perfect love, a love that is greater than your sin, a grace that is greater than your weakness, that he already knows perfectly just how weak and needy you are, and yet God sent his son Jesus to come in the form of a man to experience weakness and neediness, the likes of which you and I have never even known. He died, he rose again, and he offers you eternal life if you would but in a stumbling day-by-day manner, put one foot in front of the other and say, I am a mess, but Jesus loves me and he has healing for me. Do you have any idea how good God's healing love is? And then last question, all the way back to what I said at the beginning. As you experience that healing love of God, where are you taking it into this world of brokenness? Are you healed in order to be a healer? Like you, I'm really frustrated with a lot of things in society right now. I'm really frustrated by this disease. And we need to pray for God's healing to come upon our land. Like you, I'm really frustrated by the smoke. This is really a big deal for a lot of people. We need to pray for God's healing. Like you, I am frustrated with the way that um, racism seems to be rearing its ugly head in some ways that we have not seen in many years. We need God's healing love in our nation. I'm really frustrated by Christians caring more about their political allegiances than allegiance to King Jesus. I'm really frustrated by that right now, that there is division among the body of Christ It's like 1 Corinthians. I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. I follow Trump. I follow Biden. Were you baptized into the name of any of these people? We have one king and his name is Jesus Christ. I'm frustrated by a lot of things. And and there's a lot of these things that wage war against my own soul. I'm frustrated by my own lack of patience. I'm frustrated by my own lack of peace and, and a failure to just rest in the love of Christ Jesus. What I want to encourage you to do now, as as we're in our homes, I encourage you to take some time and celebrate the Lord's table as we do each week. 
The Lord's table is a reminder of the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. This very gospel message that we are saying is for the healing of the world. But I actually want to encourage you to do something before you celebrate communion. And for some of you, maybe you need to not take communion today because you really haven't been honest about your own brokenness. Maybe you haven't been honest about how your brokenness has kept you from drinking deeply of the healing love of Christ Jesus. And you've not been a healer in the world. You have not been a peacemaker in the world. You have been one who has contributed to the noise and to the fracturing and to the unwellness of our society. And guess what? It's spilling out of your own heart. So for some of you today, do not celebrate the Lord's table until you have genuinely brought your heart before the Lord. So what we're going to do now is we're going to go into a time of of some singing. And, and Joe's going to sing a song that actually he wrote that's newer. That's a sim- It's called Benediction for the Broken. It's an extremely simple song. And, and what I would encourage you to do now, if you have the elements for communion, you can, you can gather those. The broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ for you. But before you do so, I encourage you just to take some time, maybe even get on your knees, get off your couch, get down on your knees before the Lord. Say, Lord, I confess that I am a beggar but I find myself at a gate called beautiful and beautiful is your healing love in my life. So I'm going to go into a time of prayer and a time of communion. Let's bring our unwellness before the Lord, trusting that he has healing for us. Lord, would you meet with us now in this time, we pray. In Jesus' name.